0: This is
1: the Safe Food Podcast. Hello, I'm James McIntosh, a specialist in toxicology with Safe Food, and you're very welcome to another chapter in our food safety podcast series, where we look at different aspects of the food chain on the island of Ireland. In today's podcast, we are going to look at the whole area of food safety auditing, specifically the subject of remote auditing, which has come into focus due to the current pandemic. I'm delighted to welcome mary Trace Sweeney, who is a quality and hygiene systems consultant with over 20 years' experience in the food industry. Hi Mary-Therese, you're very welcome.
0: Good morning, James. How are you?
1: I'm fine. Briefly, can you give us an idea of your background and the work that you're generally involved in?
0: Yes, indeed. Well, I am a science graduate from NUIG, but it was formerly UCG, so I won't admit to how long ago that was. However, uh, since then, I have worked in the food industry for many, many years uh, with the Kerry Group and a number of their meat plants, uh, the Garvey Group, uh, their Super Value Centre group down in the south, uh, west of the country. In my roles with them, I worked as quality manager, quality technician, uh, worked in the micro labs, um, was the food safety trainer and auditor for those companies. And then after a number of years there, I took a year out and went to australia to find myself found myself coming home and i set up my own business uh, over 20 years ago and as you said primarily in the area of food safety advisory work training work i'm a a certified trainer with the environmental health uh, association of ireland Uh, so i run and deliver training programs uh, to their food safety primary food safety course and i work as a food safety auditor with a number of certification bodies, including Board BIA uh, and EIQA. And I also work with some private companies myself in my capacity as an advisor, Um, doing training with them, uh, implementing their HACCP plans, reviewing HACCP plans, acting as their internal food safety auditor if they are involved in any uh, certification programs and generally a contact for them with matters food safety.
1: So it sounds as if you have uh, excellent experience in the whole area, I suppose, of, of, of food uh, safety auditing as well. And a lot of our listeners might not actually know what's involved generally in food safety auditing. Can you just give us a, a, a brief background uh, what, what, what that whole uh, thing involves?
0: OK, well, food safety auditing in itself, James, is uh, basically an independent evaluation or an assessment of uh, how effective a food business is implementing Uh, their food safety management systems. So, uh, food safety auditing is relevant in all food businesses, small, medium and large, uh, shops, restaurants, cafes, food processors, um, all would have some level of food safety auditing happening. It could be where an external auditor comes in, like your environmental health officer, coming in to do uh, an unannounced uh, audit of uh, the food safety systems. Uh, or where an external person, a third party like myself, may come in to audit the business uh, to a particular um, voluntary standard, such as uh, the BRC, which is the British Retail Consortium Standard, uh, the mark for hygiene and food safety. A lot of retailers, supermarkets would have that standard. Uh, um, Board be quality assurance standard. And basically it means where somebody comes in and they walk around the premises, Uh, they check the standards of structural hygiene, so looking at the floors, walls, windows, doors, what the physical environment is like. Uh, Also assessing the operational standards within that food business, so how uh, clean is the place being kept, Uh, how staff are operating to good standards, and also then an assessment of the documented food safety management system, which is all about how you know it's written down how do we uh, implement food safety records that are kept around temperatures cleaning training so it's, it's an overall assessment of i suppose three basic uh, pillars of the food safety management system and the structure and the standard then depends on the type of business the actual uh, technical standard depends on what the business operation is
1: well you mentioned that there are a number of standards and um, does the business choose the particular standard or is it chosen for them depending on what kind of business they are or what their market is and so on and so forth? Uh,
0: it's a bit of both, to be honest. Uh, the, I suppose, uh, retail groups can dictate a lot to suppliers what standards they have to have. Um, the business sector might suggest that, you know, in in, in uh, horticulture, for example, uh, it's preferable, I suppose, that uh Consumers might see the board be a quality assurance label on their fruit and veg. It gives consumers, um, I suppose, an assurance that there are checks and balances in place in relation to the produce that they're buying. Uh, If you're a manufacturer, you may dictate to your suppliers uh, what standards they have to adhere to. So BRC is a fairly common one in the manufacturing uh, sector. So it's a combination. And then some people just like to have a standard at the Q mark for hygiene and food safety, which is an EIQA brand. Um, retailers tend to go for that one. It, it, it I suppose, it gives some sense of a confidence to the consumers coming in the door that the premises has been independently assessed. And these standards, these, I suppose, uh, voluntary standards are over and above the legal compliance standards that have to be there. I mean, with your environmental health officers, uh, Department of Agriculture, they have to be there, but these other voluntary ones, um, it's a combination of business either wanting to have it themselves or it being dictated to them by their customer.
1: And I suppose the concept of remote auditing um, is um, not familiar to me and maybe a lot of our our listeners as well. Uh, What exactly is different then about remote auditing?
0: Essentially, it uh, is where the auditor does not physically go on site to assess uh, the standards in the business that it's done uh, from elsewhere.
1: So Mary-Trace, can you just describe some of the technologies that you actually use for remote auditing? Maybe give us a a description kind of of the processes involved and the actual, uh, uh, I suppose, platforms and programs that you use?
0: Yes, James. Well, um, the process starts, I suppose, with an initial phone call, uh, or Zoom call to the company. Uh, so I would contact them uh, by either of those methods. Uh, we would have a conversation and I would explain to them uh, what documents and records I'd like them to send on to me before I carry out the next phase of the audit. So for example, I might ask them to send me on a copy of their food safety policy signed and dated by the most a senior manager Uh, I might ask them to send me on copies of uh, pest control records, uh, water test results, depending on the standard I'm auditing to and to the type of business that they are. So when I've had the conversation and I've outlined to them exactly what it is I need, um, I will then either send them an email uh, listing out everything that we've talked about. And then they send that on to me or they upload that uh, using Um, Dropbox is one uh, method that one uh, company that I'm working with are using. So they invite uh, me and the um, company uh, to enter Dropbox in which the the, the company then upload the information to Dropbox and then I can audit it through Dropbox. Um, Zoom is a way that we can also use it where a company can actually share documents live with me uh, during a Zoom call. Then the smaller uh, businesses, uh, more remote, and when I I talk about remote here, I mean geographically remote as opposed to remote, audit remote, uh, tend to possibly use WhatsApp uh, because they might just have a mobile phone. They may not have uh, the luxury of of bigger devices. Um, And before, of course, any of that can happen, what I have to just do is check with the particular business, um, do these things work? Uh, there's no point in me trying to get somebody to, to upload documents via WhatsApp uh, if they have a black spot um, in terms of connectivity. So I suppose that the, that's the, the first process. And they're the types of platforms that we tend to use. So once the business has uploaded that information via those platforms or whatever platform is agreed, then I uh, sit down and review it uh, at home uh, through, through that method.
1: So it sounds like you're using uh, platforms and programs that are ubiquitous now and, and commonly available, Dropbox, WhatsApp, uh, there's nothing untowards, they are, you know, that, that in terms of uh, programs that a company may have to buy in. Etc. Uh, Etc. Et so they can actually use technologies that are already available. This wasn't the public space, is that right?
0: Yes, and I mean, if you, if if they're like me, Zoom, I never heard of Zoom until
1: <laughs> the thirteenth to fourteenth
0: of March. So yeah. it's very common now. And there's one other. Uh, I mean, some companies, and there is an audit body that I work with, uh, Board Bia, they have actually developed their own, um, I suppose, platform for for producers to upload the information, and it's accessible through uh, a mobile phone device.
1: Is it seen as, I suppose, an acceptable alternative to, if you like, conventional auditing where you you have to be on site? I
0: suppose, going back to your introduction, James, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic uh, Mm. pushed this. Uh, I suppose basically there was a need seen for uh, consumers to still have confidence in what's happening uh, at primary producer level Mm. um, because they would be reliant very much on other people going in to check and award standards uh, to demonstrate compliance and, I suppose, inbuilt in assurance. Um, but obviously with COVID we couldn't go physically to these locations to assess the level of compliance. Uh, but the marketplace still wanted that. So something had to had to um, be developed in order to bridge that gap. And remote auditing is that bridge currently? Uh, so, to be honest with you, with the certification bodies that I work with, um, we're doing slightly different, slightly different ways of, of of approaching this. But I suppose the first piece is all is has to be making contact with the company, um, because you can't remotely turn up if they, you know. So there has to be some uh, kind of contact made, um, and. I suppose it's very reliant on technology yes. uh, and that is an evolving situation I suppose.
1: So j- uh, just to clarify uh, mary um, remote auditing is is a is a con- the development of remote auditing is a consequence of the current pandemic, or was it there before? And is it just that the current pandemic has has really accelerated its evolution, if you like? The
0: concept was there. I know personally, I have never actually carried out remote audits until this this until the pandemic. And um, with some organisations, it would have been something in the background. And I think what this has done has moved it on uh, faster than than otherwise may have happened. Uh, And certainly with some of the audit bodies that I work with, there'd be quite a lot of the audit would involve sitting down in a producer's home, perhaps if they don't have an office, looking at a lot of paperwork, documents and records that uh, is time consuming. Uh, it takes up a lot of their time uh, when their head is probably wanting to be out doing something else. Uh, and there was with a particular organisation, we had been looking at possibly doing that piece remotely, um, regardless of pandemic. And the pandemic had has now fast-forwarded that piece uh, to, to a very good effect, I have to say, um, so far.
1: So I suppose it's like anything, there are advantages and disadvantages to remote auditing compared to conventional auditing you, you might say
0: very, very much so very much so um i suppose the, ad, the advantages are for, certainly from an auditor and an auditee point of view is that you're not spending as much time on a location exactly. looking at paperwork and i suppose i would emphasize that piece um because that can be depending on the organization i suppose a small business that they find that difficult a bigger organization who have the management team in place who have the luxury of a quality manager or a technical manager to um, facilitate the audit, you know, they have the time to give to look, looking for records and looking for paperwork um, at a given time, but a smaller one or two person operation, um, they they would Possibly struggle with that that piece. So, um, so it's not
1: necessarily suitable for all all business sizes. Obviously, some would be able to accommodate it more than the bigger industries would be able to accommodate it better than others.
0: I I think so. Now, there's also I suppose the biggest piece of this is um, access to technology. Yeah.
1: Of um
0: the user friendliness of the technology that's used, the ability I suppose of the auditor and the auditee to use that. Um, effectively. Uh, what we are finding with some of the uh, remote audits that we're doing is um, you hit black spots, particularly in a, so in a manufacturing environment where you've got insulated cold rooms, insulated uh, packing halls that are refrigerated, uh, go in there with the, with, and, and devices don't like cold temperatures and moisture either. So um, the, we, we hit black spots when we try to take a walk, a virtual walk around an area like that. Um, so that's a disadvantage. I, I would say maybe the auditors might disagree, but it's um, so the technology is an advantage and a disadvantage, I suppose, in in, in some situations.
1: I presume it's, it's evolving as well.
0: Very much so, James, and that's one thing I would say about all of this remote auditing process. It very much is an evolving process. You know, you know, in, in any audit process you have to there's a certain amount of trust that has to be there you could argue that the remote process could potentially allow auditees uh, to give you misleading information misleading photographs if it's look at they can do that anyway i think um, you'd like to think that they're not uh, taking photographs of very uh, swanky um, premises from google and uh, all that kind of stuff to you know give you a, a, false, rep, a false representation of of their of their premises from a physical point of view, you know?
1: Yeah. Um, And I suppose in that sense, what would you predict uh, for the short to medium term? And we presume that this pandemic is going to uh, evolve uh, over the next year and hopefully there'll be some kind of getting back to normal or some kind of normality. Would you predict that the uh, whole concept of remote auditing will evolve further? Or will it fall away maybe if on-site visits uh, become possible again?
0: I think the process will evolve and in some cases it will continue. Uh, I think there is probably no um, getting away from the fact that certainly in certain food businesses, I think you physically have to go there to see what's happening. I I think that that's a, a given. There's probably scope for a more blended audit approach whereby um, you could do a bit of both. Um, okay, that's a that, yeah, that's something that we're working on with, with one audit body whereby um, they're accepting the fact that documentation policies and you know, training plans and a certain amount of documentation can be uploaded up front regardless, but that you do need to go and actually physically uh, see the premises at some point. And it may be that you might do a remote visit on one audit cycle and then the following audit cycle, um, you know, physically go on site. It can also depend, I suppose, on on historically how a business has performed in audits prior to that. If they've been consistently good and achieving high grades or high, high levels of compliance um, historically, and they're committed, you know, there may be a, a, Uh, i suppose a situation there where they may not need to have as many site visits so there's lots of i suppose potential options out there james uh and and i suppose also audits external audits um there's two types i suppose it can be unannounced and announced audits so this would work well for an announced audit unannounced you know there's there's, (laughs) it's limited um Either, either which way, any audit is only a, a sample at a moment in time anyway. Um, if, it, if an organization knows that you're coming, be it remotely or otherwise, there's a certain amount of preparation work that would be done anyway.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, so I think into the future, there's certainly um, scope for this to continue. Uh, and I think the feedback that we've been getting from the audits that I've been carrying out so far from the auditees perspective, the companies that we go to, mm-hmm. they've been quite positive about it.
1: So I suppose uh, Mary Trace from the per- perspective really of a, a smaller food business, what are the c- uh, key things that they need to consider? I suppose if they're if they're wondering you know is remote auditing something that's suitable for me and that would perhaps uh, make life a little bit easier for me, etc what do they need to to think about?
0: Well, I suppose firstly James, they need to uh, consider uh, have they got the technology that will support Um, the the remote audit process Um, but that just might just be a smartphone Um, and you know I would imagine uh, that most people have a smartphone but I can't make assumptions I'm an auditor but uh, that they have the technology uh, to enable the audit to happen Um, now I suppose they also need to be sure that they're in an area that there's no black spots when it comes to Communication uh, technology uh, that there's Wi-Fi available, that there's that we can actually get connectivity. Um, I suppose that also there are we have found that even with somebody having the devices available and having the connectivity, that in certain types of food business we might encounter black spots, uh, like an insulated cold room, um, packing halls, that kind of stuff, where there's refrigeration involved. Mobile phones and devices don't tend to like cold and damp environments, so they might be just some of the practical um, elements that a business just would need to consider, um, and they'd also need to consider that they have the time to um, facilitate the process. Obviously, if if you go on site, somebody has to have the time to go with you as well. But um, this remote, fully remote audit process does rely on somebody in the food business being fully available with the technology to be able to walk you through. If say, for example, if I needed to do a WhatsApp video part of the call that somebody could walk around and, and show me what I'm looking at, not their feet and not their face and not up their nose, you know, that they know uh, what, what they're doing. Um, obviously we could test that as a part of the process, but just simple, small things like that. It's, it's but it is possible to do. And we have been doing it and the feedback that we've been getting um, from small businesses has has been positive, you know. So I think there's definitely somewhere this into the future beyond COVID.
1: Thanks Mary Thrayes for a very practical uh, run through the whole area of remote auditing. And, and you just, I think you, you gave a fantastic description really of what's involved from both the auditee and the auditor's perspectives. Uh, and including the the advantages and disadvantages compared to conventional auditing and what food businesses, particularly the smaller food businesses, uh, may need to consider with regard to how applicable this would be to them.
0: You've been listening to the Safe Food Podcast.
1: Well, I think we, we leave it at that. And thanks to you, our listeners, for tuning in. If you have any comments on today's podcast or you wish to ask a question on this issue, then please get in touch with us by email on info at dot net. If you want to hear more Safe Food Podcasts, then please search wherever it is you get your podcasts from or join the conversation on Twitter at Safe Food Network or follow us on LinkedIn. So until next time, goodbye and take care.